Hello and welcome to This One Good Life podcast where we slow down and explore the beauty and goodness that surrounds us every day. My name is Stephen Ingram. And I am Brian Johnson. And we are so glad that you're able to join us uh, today on today's episode. We're slowing down to explore the idea and practice of, of silence in, in the middle of a world that screams. Um, yeah. In the middle of a world that is loud and, and voluminous. Voluminous? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Volumes works. <laughs> I think just loud, right? I mean, this, uh, you know, I, and 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 when we talk about in a, in in a world that screams, I think maybe the first thing to do is to give it some, uh, give that some context, right? It's not that everybody's just walking around screaming at each other, right? <laughs> Brian, Brian's trying not to choke on his coffee right now. <laughs> <laughs> the visual, <laughs> I know, right? Just walking down the street screaming at each other. I like loud voices, um, but but that uh, we're we're constantly being screamed at. Whether it is through um, visual screaming, like uh, like billboards and advertisements and things that are constantly yelling at us certain messages, uh, whether it's through social media and uh, you know we all have those friends or family who uh, who post uh, opinions in all caps, uh, <laughs> and, and there's there's a lot of screaming on social media. Um, but even just kind of in our own lives, I think, you know, I think I know for me, a lot of times I have an internal screaming uh, that's kind of screaming in my ears, too. So uh, screaming, it doesn't have to necessarily be just vocal yelling. Uh, it, it can play out in a lot of different ways. Yeah, it's just constant, constant noise um, everywhere we yeah. look, everywhere we turn to um, Facebook, Twitter, uh, gosh, even Instagram, right? Just the images, it's it's noise um, that we yeah. we welcome into our lives. But um, but it speaks loudly and finding a, a place of silence in the middle of that. And I'm guilty of it too. Um, if, mm-hmm. if nobody's home, but I'm starting to work on dinner, right. I'm like mm-hmm. cooking, chopping. I, I'm going to turn on music. I'm going to turn on the yeah. tonight show. Not at the same time. Um, but I'm going to have something going constantly, right. There's always this noise. You mentioned, uh, media and marketing and billboards, um, and finding some space outside of, the constant noise that we're, we're faced with, um, is challenging. Um, and I, th- I think as we get into it, we kind of anticipate Stephen, we're going to talk about the difficulty of the constant noise. Yeah, um, that's right. and then the difficulty of responding to it, because I think, uh, for most of us, the, um, the tendency is to respond to noise with more noise. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that term "noise" too, because what, uh, I think a, a phrase that uh, many of us uh, can resonate with is this idea of white noise. Um, that that there's just something always kind of murmuring in the background, mm-hmm. and and I think we experience that just on a normal day to day basis. I think you know now in times of heightened political and social um, disagreement and, and unrest, that that white noise is elevated to white to extreme white noise right and that there's always a constant background that's that's probably at decibels we're not even used to uh right now (laughs) Uh, so i i like that i like that uh that word noise as well um i think that broadens the 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 message of what we're talking about so brian what do you what do you think about it i mean like what, what what are your kind of initial thoughts yeah one of my you know one of the things that stands out to me is um is noise or screaming or volume um, that demonstrates power. Yeah. Um, it demonstrates force. It demonstrates authority. 
Um, but I also, gosh, I, I can't get away from the fact that it also demonstrates sometimes fear, sometimes weakness, it demonstrates insecurity. Um, and I think mm-hmm. the noise, I think the screaming, it comes from all places. Uh, if you have a microphone, um, then mm-hmm. you are a noise in the world. Um, you have a presence uh, in the world that is different or unique. Um, if, if if when you disagree with somebody, uh, you type in all caps or you just begin to raise your voice, right? Um, right, right. You, you're, you're falling into that. Um, there's the... You know, the really kind of like awkward, weird story uh, of, and, and probably most people are guilty of it, that we talk to somebody and, and oh my gosh, we discover they speak another language. Um, mm. Rather than trying to figure out how to communicate, we, j- we just talk louder. Uh, gosh, That's right. That's right. now did you understand and sometimes, me? <laughs> and sometimes with an accent. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Do you ever catch yourself doing totally, that? Totally, totally. <laughs> I'll be in a foreign country. I'll, I'll be somewhere in Europe or in Central America or something like that, and and all of a sudden I, I notice I'm speaking with their accent. I'm still speaking English, but I'm doing it with. Their accent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Uh, just I went to England um, five six years ago um, with with a friend whose whose English lives in the states, but um, so journeyed it over with him and uh, we went to a football match and then afterwards went to a pub uh, with some of his his friends and uh, family mm-hmm. from from England there. Um, I had more difficulty understanding the language, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One, we were in a pub that was loud. Two, they were all speaking English. Um, and it was in that moment I realized I speak American, um, right? That's right. That's right. right. <laughs> um, Very different. Could not understand, could not pick up on the dialect. And I, I think that's what we experience in our culture is that there's so much noise. It's, it's sometimes hard to understand um, really what's being communicated, really what's being said, or even how we're supposed to respond um, in the yeah. middle of that. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and I like how you said, um, you know, just because someone is screaming doesn't mean that uh, screaming or, or being loud in your in your communication doesn't necessarily mean that you um, are secure in what you're saying. Uh, a lot of times that does come out of insecurity and fear, right? And 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 some of the reasons why we scream, whether it's physically screaming or um, or, or, or social media screaming or whatever, is, is because. Um, because we're, we're working out of a place of fear instead of a, instead of a place of security. Um, uh, so, <clears throat> you, you know, it's, it's funny you're talking about a background noise. So I, I have a real hard time um, uh, when I'm watching TV at night uh, with white noise. Um, used to, so we don't really use our dishwasher anymore. We, we hand wash our, our dishes. It's better for the environment, blah, blah, blah. And we find that <laughs> we find that we uh, uh, actually are way better about keeping things clean if we actually just hand wash them and put them in a rack. So our dishwasher is actually used for storage now, uh, which is kind of funny. Uh, but it's a game you could play for everything you're keeping in there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but it used to be that um, uh, we would run the dishwasher after we finished with dinner. And that was usually the same time that my wife and I would sit down and watch our watch our program, right? And we feel like like seventy year olds. We sit down and watch our program, but we'd sit down and watch our program, uh, which is usually the BBC Wheel show. of Fortune, Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a little later than that. Yeah, we, we yeah. Wheel of Fortune. Good grief. No, we'd watch our BBC show, and uh, uh, on Netflix or, or Acorn, and uh, and and I would have the hardest stinking time 
hearing the show because there's background noise. And and for some reason, if there's background noise, if there's white noise, I have such a hard time hearing things and, and being able to distinguish things. Um, if we're in a restaurant or a bar, I just have the hardest time uh, picking out what people are saying. So uh, I turn into full-on old man mode and started using subtitles. Um, and my kids totally make fun of me all the time. My wife makes fun of me too. But I use <laughs> subtitles on Netflix and Acorn because uh, it's just easier for me to watch the show. So every show I watch now, I'll watch with subtitles on. But I was thinking about that today because there is so much white noise and it's hard for us to hear each other a lot of times. And so I was thinking, what you know, what kind of lessons can we learn from, from subtitles? Or, or maybe even the question is, how can we turn on subtitles when we're trying to communicate to others. Um, for me, the first thing is that we have to kind of communicate differently, right? The, 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 the people are still talking on the screen, but now I'm, now I'm being communicated to in a different way. I'm being communicated to visually. Um, and so I think, you know, a lot of times when there's a lot of white noise, when there's a lot of screaming in the world, um, we got to look for different avenues and venues and tools and, and methods and techniques through which we communicate. The other kind of lesson I kind of drew from, and I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on this too. The other uh, lesson I drew from it is um, <clears throat> we have, we, when we think about communicating differently, we have to do so in forms that can be complemented by the noise, but are not dependent on it. And, and what I mean is it's not that we have to negate what people are saying on Facebook or what the talking heads are saying on the news or, or whatever. But our messages, if we want them to be truly different and to get above the white noise, they can't be dependent on the white noise. They can be complemented, but they can't be dependent on it. Um, Brian, do you ever use subtitles? We, we do not. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Well, that's a real shame. <laughs> you know, I probably got about 20 years uh, still to go before I turn on subtitles, Stephen. <laughs> um, no, it's interesting the way, the perspective that you've got about it. Because as you were talking, um, kind of sharing that story, my first thought was like, okay, so if there's noise in the room, you add more noise to it. Mm. Um, that's interesting. To, to create clarity, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was my first thought, and, and maybe that just offers a, a another way to, to look at it. Yeah. I also like um, what you've said about that is um, communicating differently. So sometimes we, um, if we're arguing, right, um, mm-hmm. it's pretty natural that somebody's going to raise their voice in that. Um, yep. uh, I don't know that it's good or healthy, but I think it's kind of natural it happens. Yeah. Um, and to be able to step back and look at what's happening and going on around you from a different perspective is mm-hmm. always helpful, always important, um, always takes, um, y- you have to take a different stance in the middle That's of right. that, right? So yep. um, by turning on sub- subtitles, you're doing that. Um, yep. uh, we're beginning to look at it from a different perspective. We're beginning to um, perceive what's going on within the noise um, in a different way. And I think that that's, that's huge. Um, yeah. It's huge. And it, it can't be done by raising the volume. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because if I just turn the volume up louder, I'm just going to get my kids and then I'm going to be mad. <laughs> but 
but that's what we try to do, right? Everybody, and it gets in, we get into an arms race in in terms of communication, right? Yeah. We 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 look at it and we think, oh, this is the only modality in which we can communicate, and so we're just going to get the bigger gun, essentially. We're going to get the bigger gun, the bigger missile, the bigger nuke, and exactly. we get into yeah. an arms race with communication to the point where we end up, and and I, I mean this, maybe both literally and figuratively, till we end up just blowing each other up, and yeah. there's nothing left. Yeah. I mean, how many relationships have, have ended because of, of that? Yeah, that's right. Right? Um, the relationship itself literally was blown to pieces because um, we could not, uh, you know, neither party, right, could not mm-hmm. settle down. Um, and that's the thing, right? I, I think what's so normal about it is volume creates more volume. Um, mm-hmm. The louder we get, the louder uh, something else has to get to overspeak it. We see it in marketing. We see it, um, you know, if you're in line at a theme park, you see it. Um, in the middle of an argument, yeah. um, volume creates more volume. Um, and the, the difference or the flip on that is finding silence, finding a place for quiet yeah. will yeah. actually begin to have the effect we want, um, which is to calm the room, to give space, to listen, to give space, to speak, to be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it only comes from, it, it comes from the exact opposite than, than our instincts would lead us. Um, cause if I want you to hear me, um, it doesn't make sense in the moment to be quiet. <laughs> that's right. <clears throat> well, that's right. And I, and I think I think there might be folks listening to us uh, this week who go, yeah, but and and you know we're not getting politics or anything like that. But I know a lot of people uh, out there are, are saying, how in the world can you say we need to be quiet right now, right? Because no matter what side of the aisle you're on, there is just, a, politically, we're just, it's, it's just a charged society right now. And I would say both sides of the aisle, or not just that there are two sides, but, you know, any side of the aisle, um, there are there are people saying, how in the world can I be silent uh, at this moment, right? During this time, during these moments. Um, how, how would you, how would you talk to him about that? Um, this would be more blunt than maybe the conversation, Stephen, but um, I don't think, I actually don't think we have the right to speak until we've um, taken time to listen. Mm. I don't think we have, uh, we can't address the concerns. We can't address the problem. We, if we don't understand um, I think we have to be willing to understand the other person or the other party or the other side before we've earned permission um, to speak. Whether that's permission from them, whether that's permission from ourselves, I don't really care too much. I just don't think we deserve to be heard until we're willing to listen. Mm. Um, and I don't think our words matter as much until we've demonstrated that. I, I mean, any, any argument that just kind of carries on, right? Like, it's like, yeah. here's my side. Well, here's my side. Well, here's my right. side. Well, well, here's my side. Um, <laughs> right. And it's just this back and forth of, like, why I believe what I believe. Yeah. Um, our, our beliefs, our understanding, it never changes until we've taken time to pause and listen. Mm. Um, and it's, I mean, I love, love scripture. I love some of the old writings um, that we find. And one of my favorite is this, uh, this, this passage that comes out of the New Testament that's be quick to listen, slow to mm-hmm. speak, mm-hmm. and slow to get angry, right? This, these, are not, these are not just good ideas. It's a formula. That's right. Um, it's a yep. formula. So it's a if, how-to. If you need to calm yourself, um, mm-hmm. the answer is not found in being heard or understood. The answer mm-hmm. is listening to the other side. 
Um, that's where you find the opposite of anger. That's where you find peace. Um, so, uh, gosh, it, maybe that feels more blunt uh, than people want to hear. But when you ask me that question, I'm like, hey, <laughs> if, listen, if you want right? to speak up, um, you need to listen. Yeah, and I think it. I think I, I think that's a, a an excellent point, uh, and I think that's the baseline that we have to work from. I also think that there are groups um, in, in our society who have, who have listened for a really long time. Yep. Right. Um, there there are there are um, uh, groups, minority groups, uh, uh, groups that have been oppressed, groups who have not had a voice. Um, you know, it's funny. My wife and I were just talking the other day. Um, you know. Women haven't even had the right to vote for like a hundred. It's it's been uh, what we're like right at a hundred years now, right? Women have not had a political voice, but for uh, you know not even a century, uh, which is wild, right? Yeah, um, it's crazy. And so I, I think it's important as two you know thirty uh, uh, something uh, white guys. Uh, it's probably important for us to say that there are um, there are lots of groups and lots of people who have. Um, who have listened for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I take it a step further to say if, if you're a white male, um, you are more <laughs> responsible to listen in these moments um, yeah. and in this time than anybody else. And if, if you don't do it, it just really, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really bad and it, it's unhealthy. And there are groups of folks um, that need to be heard and it's their time to speak. Yeah. Um, Gosh, yeah, yeah. White males, um, we have failed. Uh, I think as as a group, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have failed many people. <laughs> well, and we can use now. You know, here's the here's the good thing, right? You don't have to be um, talking to to the to the white guys out there. Uh, you don't have to be <laughs> you don't have to be uh, passive in that. You can use the space that we you know we can use the space that we occupy to help make space for other voices right and that that's something we can do is to is to try to create space for someone else to occupy that space absolutely. not us right absolutely now I, I do recognize the um the absurdity that that we're sitting here doing a podcast talking right now about this but i think that's part of what we what we're trying to do right we're, we're trying to bring these ideas to the forefront and and hopefully we're being helpful in that um and not um not harmful. Something you said, Brian, made me uh, really think, it, it made me think of a book, and it's actually the book I'm going to recommend later uh, in our recommendation section, uh, but I'll go ahead and mention it now and talk about a principle uh, that's in it. <clears throat> it's The book is called Dialogue and the Art of Thinking Together, uh, and it's by a guy named William Isaacs, and uh, this is one of those books, uh, let's see, I've got it right here in my hand, it's how many pages? It's 400 pages, so it is, it's a thick book in terms of just the number of pages, but the read is infinitely thicker than the number mm. of pages. It is, oh my gosh, it is just, it, this book is just destroyed with highlighter. Um, it's got more pink in it than it does white, I think. Um, it's such a, such an incredible book. I read it a couple of years ago, and one of the principles that came out in the book that uh, I, I, I try to remind myself of again and again, especially when I'm feeling ramped up, right? When, when I want to scream, if, when I want to speak louder, when I want to add to the noise, uh, one of the principles in it is that we have to build a container in order for dialogue to happen. Uh, hmm. and, and, and the idea there is that, uh, the idea behind a container is that human beings need a setting 
in which the, to hold the intensities of their life. And so uh, Isaac says, if you don't build a container, there will be no dialogue. And, and by container, what, what that means is there, there, he says there are three essential elements uh, to build the container for which the dialogue will happen. Okay, The first one is there has to be energy. Um, the container has to have energy. In other words, there has to be uh, energy and passion, and, and you have to have people engaging in the dialogue who actually care, right? Um, the, and, and a lot of times we think, well, they're really they've got a lot of they've got a lot of uh, excitement. They're yelling, so they must have energy. That's not necessarily the case. Um, some people just get worked up to be worked up. We're talking about energy about the thing that you're talking about, right? It's not just energy for energy's sake or excitement for excitement's sake. Uh, the second one is possibility. Uh, so you, you, you got to have energy, but there also has to be possibility. There also has to be um, the availability, the, um, uh, the idea that something can come from this. So like you were saying earlier, Brian, it can't just be two sides yelling out, this is my opinion, right? There, there has to be the sense that, okay, something more is going to come from this. Uh, I watched a, um, a documentary on HBO uh, a couple weeks ago about the uh, uh, Camp David talks back during the Clinton administration uh, between Israel and Palestine and, um, and, and the whole HBO series. And I'll, I'll make sure I put a, a link to this in the, uh, in the show notes. Uh, but the whole series was taking the diaries of the, of the people who were involved in those talks and processing through the talks by way of their mm. diaries. Um, and, and through those diaries, you see this unmistakable hope and possibility that they believe that something greater could happen than just them getting their way. Uh, really incredible. I'll, I'll, put, I'll put, put that in the show notes. Just an incredible um, documentary. So possi- energy, possibility. And then the third one is safety. There has to be this common trust that um, that you're not here to sabotage me, and I'm not here to sabotage you. Uh, that this is a safe place in which we can, you know, and safety leads to vulnerability. Um, so the idea there is that you, in order for dialogue to begin, in order for that container to be built, it has to be built around these ideas of energy, possibility, and safety. Uh, and man, I just I, I think that's such a, a revolutionary way of engaging in dialogue. Um, especially when held up against kind of our modern discourse. Yeah, it's, um, you mentioned the word vulnerability and only in, only in a safe space does that come out. And only once we've, um, only once yeah. we've been vulnerable with each other is, uh, is mm-hmm. there space for change to take place or perspectives to be, uh, new and fresh. Um, and I think that's what we want to get yeah. at, um, most of the time. Um, but it's also probably one of the most difficult pieces because it's it's setting aside ourselves to value the other person in the moment, um, and that's that's hard and difficult to do. You know, Stephen, um, some great thoughts from from the book you're recommending there. Um, I've got some ideas from a book I'm recommending as well. Um, the book is called Quiet, uh, and the the subtitle, uh, which I'm fond of. <laughs> Is the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking? It's written um, by Susan Cain, a tr- tremendous book. Um, the book, though, is from the stance of like the gifts and um, the talents, the skill set that introverts bring mm-hmm. into a room or bring into a meeting place. Um, and one of the one of the things she dives into is is an introvert's inclination 
is to to listen, to be quiet and listen, right? Before ever speaking up in into the meeting or into the conversation or what have you. Um, and sometimes that uh, can be perceived as as weakness. Um, but part of what she gets into is really it's just it's just the natural tendency of introverts to gather all the data mm. before then speaking in in to the thing, whatever that whatever the conversation is. Um, that really what they're doing is trying to hear this perspective, hear this perspective, hear this perspective, and then speak truth into the whole thing right. rather than just offering their their own opinion. Um, their own opinion may be a part of that. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Sometimes they may leave their own opinion out, um, but what they're trying to do is really capture everything before speaking into it. And yeah. that comes from a place of, of quiet, um, comes from a place of personal silence, right? Well, it also comes from a place of, of security, Right. Because a lot of times people will come to conversations feeling like they've got to hurry up and get their idea out there and they've got to hurry up and say what they're going to say. Um, but when you can enter into a conversation, like you said, with with quiet uh, and, and with the, the stance of listening, uh, you sort of set the table for conversation instead of the setting the table for debate or argument or one upmanship. Um, so yeah, I think that's really, really, really helpful, and uh, and it's not something we see very often. <laughs> well, it, yeah, exactly. And even if you're sitting around a table and there's an <laughs> there's an introvert at the table, yeah, um, they've still got to step out a little bit to speak, um, because the the easy thing is to to start quiet and stay quiet. And yeah. allow everything else to happen and then be like, I, I'm not getting into that mess. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so just by being an introvert doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do this well, right? You've still got to take the initiative. you still got to take the initiative. Um, yeah. But it is a gift and a skill that that as an introvert you could bring to yeah. the conversation. Um, and that if we just give space for that, um, that we can allow and facilitate the, uh, you know, those voices to be heard. Um, the gift of listening is a gift. It's a gift to the whole group. Um, That's yeah. right. Well, and and I think it's probably important for us to to make mention of this that Bryant is an ex, uh, an introvert, and myself, Stephen, I'm, I'm an extrovert. And so, uh, for me, hearing you talk about this, and and I think that's such a good book uh, as well. The book you're recommending, uh, "Quiet: The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking." Um, I think it's such a uh, an important book, and it's important for introverts, but I think it's even more important for extroverts, um, because you're right. Uh, as an extrovert, I will, my default mode is, oh, if you're not talking, either you don't care or you don't have an opinion, right? But with an introvert, uh, that's not the case at all. No, it's not. <laughs> there... <laughs> And I could talk about me personally. Uh, there's some real strong opinions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody anybody who knows me, right, like we'll discover that pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's it's just it's just the flip side of like, um, go ahead and, and tell me what's going on. Yeah, you, you talk first. Yeah, you talk first because when I speak, um, and I, I don't. This may come out like I think this is the right way. I don't I don't think that's it at all. Um, I just don't in my life. Uh, <laughs> I don't have have time for a lot of words. Oh, that's good. And it, it, I say that as a, a you know doing this podcast where we're just talking, but <laughs> but really, like I, I don't have time for a lot of words. So I I don't 
I don't want to just add fluff mm. to something um, that's just words. I, I really want to contribute. Um, so if I can be succinct and clear in that, that that's what I um, try to do in the midst of a conversation. Mm. Um, and I can think back, you know, before I ever read that book, think back to times where like, um, I was a, a counselor at a camp in, in Florida for a number of summers. And one of the things we do at the end of the week is all the counselors would gather into the space mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there'd be some conversation about the week. Um, I almost always was the last person to respond to whatever the question was. Oh, that's good. Um, and not because I had some unique wisdom or, or whatever. I just was really kind of concerned with what everybody else had experienced that week or, or what they learned or what they found. Um, felt like I could benefit from that. So I just kind of waited. And um, as an introvert, there was a season where I thought what I had to offer was actually less valuable than what other people had to offer. Right. Yeah. And so that was kind of built into that because if, um, you know, in this world of uh, extroverts and uh, noise, mm-hmm. um, it feels like if, if you're not ready to be loud and speak first, um, often then your voice may be diminished. Um, and depending on how you receive that, your value may be diminished in that as well. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, went through that, uh, that season, but, um, I'm a, I'm a different person now, Steven. <laughs> that's so good though. I mean, that's so good because that's not my natural stance in the world. I, I like the, the term you use, the, the, the word stance, right? Cause that's, that's not my natural stance in the world. Um, I, my natural stance is an aggressive stance, right? That, that's how I interact and, and, and interact with people in the world. Not, in, not aggressive in like, I'm going to beat you up kind of way, but, but I'm more than happy to, you probably to could. jump in. Well, no, no, no. Not, <laughs> Brian, I think you overestimate me. <laughs> but, but, but that whole stance of leaning in, right? Um, that, that's how I engage with the world. Whereas, whereas what you're talking about is, is, is more of a, it's not leaning back, but it's just, but it's not leaning in, right? It's not that aggressive stance. Um, there, there were a couple other things in the in in the book that you're recommending that I'd love to just hear uh, hear you talk about. Uh, you know, one of the things they talk about in the book is is a gift that introverts bring uh, is persistence, and and so the book talks about persistence, uh, and I kind of put that in kind of a dualism versus big one-off moments or statements, right? Because my stance in the world is I, I will go all in and, and be a big, big, big one-off statement, one-off stance, you know, the, the, the big battle kind of thing. Uh, I'm not as good as at persistence. I'm not as good as uh, just, just keeping on, keeping on. And, and they talk about how introverts mm. bring persistence to the table. Um, and I'd, I'd love how, to hear how, how that plays out in your life. Yeah, um, trying to think of a more specific example, and maybe one will come up. Um, but the thing I know to be true, whatever that thing is, right? The thing I know to be true um, is always true. It's mm, good. Um, and so the persistence comes from that. Yeah. Um, uh, so maybe exercise is an example, right? Like I know uh, the truth of exercise is that I feel better when I do it. Mm-hmm. I have more energy when I feel when when I exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm refreshed. I'm just a different person, really, mm-hmm. um, when exercise uh, versus when I don't. I know that to be true. Mm-hmm. So I will drive uh, my life, <laughs> yeah. my energy, and focus to continue to do the thing I know to be true because of, of what's going to come come out of that. Um, 
don't say that to be easy. I think the persistence comes from like, okay, let's go back to the thing that we know is true and work that and Mm -hmm. work it and work it and stay faithful to it. Um, and we can venture off on these other, these, these other paths, right? Um, we can venture off into these other, these other things and these, um, the one-offs as you mentioned. Um, but you know, using the exercise example, um, if I, if I'm out of energy, if I've been running for, uh, for a week, mm-hmm. um, and, and I haven't found time to exercise, mm-hmm. um, I will be exhausted. Now I can run for a, for a week and I don't mean like physically running, yeah. running Go is hard. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Running's awful. <laughs> Unless something's but, chasing uh, me <laughs> <laughs> or a bear or whatever. Yeah. Bears. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can go all out all week, yeah. and if I'm exercising in that week, I will still feel energized and and excited for for you know for tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so, gosh, probably a um, probably not the best example there, but I think that's where persistence pays off for me because it, it brings me back to what I know is true, and I can venture off into the other things that are unknown or curiosities or um, what ifs yeah. uh, sort of things, um, as long as I stay faithful to the thing that I know is true. And for me, that's the persistent, persistent part. Well, what, what I hear sense? you saying that too, is that your persistence comes from a grounding in something, you know, to be true and proven. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You got it. There's a grounding yeah. there. Yeah. 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 Well, and that actually leads me kind of to the next question in this. Um, one, one of the points in the book is that it talks about, um, uh, introverts bring to the table, this idea of only speaking when you need to, and, uh, and I think for me, this kind of goes back to social media. Um, you know, you can have, and, mm. and I'm guilty of this, right? I, I, I can literally have an opinion about every single thing that happens, right? And I can put it out there for the world to know. And, and often I do, um, because, because I feel this passion and this. Um, but I was having, uh, a few months ago, I had the opportunity, Shane Claiborne, uh, if you don't know who Shane Claiborne is, he's a fantastic author, uh, Christian activist, does just all kinds of just really amazing work in the world. Shane Claiborne was in Birmingham speaking at an event. Uh, and I was able to, um, he was being hosted at a friend's house. My friend asked me if I'd come and, and cook breakfast for him. So I got to go cook <laughs> breakfast for Shane Claiborne, <laughs> hang out with him, have breakfast with him that morning. We just sat around and, and talked. And he was talking about how his, his, his community, his group that he kind of leads, he, um, he said, yeah, we, we've picked two things that we're going to fight for. And I and because I was we were talking about some other stuff and and I said what what are you guys doing about that He said well we're not He said we we, we picked two things we're going to lean in, into and for for them it was gun control and and uh, death penalty And mm-hmm. he said you know there there's we could we could talk about homelessness and poverty and and he just listed a bunch of things He said but we knew that if we were going to make a difference we had to pick one or two things and just really speak into those things and those were going to be our things. And that was profound for me because he has such a huge platform and he could talk and, and, and if he's speaking about anything, people are going to pay attention. But he knew that to narrow it down and, and to say, these are the things I need to speak on. Uh, that was, that was powerful uh, for me. Um, do you, do you feel that in, in your world, Brian, and how you kind of engage? Um, similarly, um, not in the sense of like, I, I'll speak about these topics, but similarly in the sense of like, um, and, and I want folks to hear this right. It's not that everything I say is wildly important. Sure. Um, but I want to speak about things that are wildly important. Uh, that's good. Does that make sense? That's a great um, distinction. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean my thoughts are, um, new or, 
um, everybody needs to jump on them or, or whatever. I, I really uh, think that. Um, but also, <laughs> I don't have time to just babble about stuff, you know? I don't know. Um, I just feel like I don't have space. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have space in my head mm-hmm. for that many words. And I don't have space to really, like, just kind of, I don't know, blah, blah, blah about, about stuff. Yeah. So what's really interesting, right, is um, in in the middle of that, um, for me, if, if I was to go to a, a room of 100 people... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's say a wedding, mm-hmm. a party, whatever, right? Go to a room of 100 people. I will somehow find my way into a corner and hanging out with one person. Mm-hmm. And if they walk away, I'll probably hang out by myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> yep. And and maybe we'll have this deep conversation. I think that's usually what happens is I'll, I'll gravitate to somebody and we'll have a deep conversation. I'll go deeper and, and we'll we'll hang out together for, for the evening. Um and that's where I'll find myself. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. If, if, and this is really kind of uh, weird, um, but if I'm the ones presenting to that room of a hundred people, mm-hmm. um, there's a reason for me to be speaking at that point, right? Yeah. I've been given a microphone because I've been asked to say something. So my time and my energy into those words um, feels important uh, because I've been asked to share on, you know, on, this topic or that topic or whatever. So I've poured time and energy into that. And I'm really comfortable doing that. Um, mm-hmm. And part of it, <laughs> if, I, if I'm honest, right? Like part of it is everybody's listening to me. Yeah. Um, I'm not having to make something up. I've prepared for that, That's that right. yeah. conversation. Yep. I've prepared for the questions you might ask. Um, it, venturing into a party of a hundred people where maybe I have to talk to everybody. I, I don't, I don't really have questions for you because I don't know you. Uh, I'm not prepared for the conversation that you're going to bring up. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a weird place, a, a different perspective maybe. Yeah. Um, that comes with, with being introverted, but yeah. So ultimately to answer your question. Yeah. I feel like, um, I, when I speak, I want it to be important, mm-hmm. um, or on an important topic as opposed to just, um, I don't know, having lots of words to say. And that's, as I say that, I've just said a lot of words. Well, but 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 what, again, what I hear you saying though is that when you do that, uh, your your word when you use your words um, intentionally, they tend to mean more and and be more effective. Right. Yeah. This is this is this is a common question I get. Uh, work in a room of of a hundred people in this hypothetical mm-hmm. situation, but it, this happens pretty frequently. Ah. Brian, I, I'm not sure I understand what you just said. <laughs> like, dang it. I'm out of my zone. <laughs> I have to use too many words. <laughs> oh, that's good. No, that's good. So um, so here, here's sort of my, I, I think, my natural next question. Um, you know, we've been talking about silence in the world that screams. But I want to I flip the question a little bit. Is there, are there times, Brian where screaming is justified. I think so. Yeah. Are there times where where uh where where screaming is what we should do? And and for you, are you know, are there parameters, are there indications of, of when those times are? Yeah, I think so. I think um if we witness or see injustice um in whatever form that takes, I think we've got to cry out um when um pain or hurt 
is the go-to mode. I think we've got to cry out. Um, I think when uh, somebody's, this will sound extreme, but it's it's meant in the extreme way and and in the minor ways as well. When when somebody's life is in jeopardy, right? Yeah. Like I think we have to scream yeah. out. Um, I think there are places yeah. and times um, for those screams to be to be voiced and to be heard and for that to be the dominating noise in the room. Um, yeah. And I, the struggle is that, um, the struggle I think is that our natural response is to scream back. Right. And so, yeah. and yeah. that's the piece where that, that's what I, I bring to the table. Um, yeah. and that's where the silence has to, has to come in, but it's not silence that we inject or, um, force onto somebody else. I think embracing yeah. the silence in the world of the screams is a responsibility that we have for ourselves so that the people who need to scream have the space to do it. Um, That's right? good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think for me it's... it's. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, for me, it's, it's when the truth is non-negotiable, right? Most things, most, most things we get into, most dialogues, conversations... There, there are there are valid truths and ideas on on every side of the conversation, yeah. right? And and compromise is actually greater than me getting my way in most things. But there are sometimes when when the truth is just non negotiable, when it's a fight for for justice, right? Or or like you said, for um, uh, taking up for those who are abused or oppressed or who have been silenced. Um, for me, the distinction is. Uh, it's it's good to scream when indignation is needed more than dialogue. Mm. Dialogue says both sides have validity. Let's figure out a compromise that is greater than the sum of our parts. Indignation is when we can look at the situation and say, this is wrong. And this is when we have to make a, a stand. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, I just I just think that's an interesting question because I think the thing neither one of us want to do is to say, "Hey, gang, don't 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 fight for what you believe in." We we don't want to say that, no. right? <laughs> no, no. I and I hope I hope that's come across because I yeah. we don't want to come from a perspective that says um, uh, that other people should be silent. I I think what we're saying right. is that um, we should be silent. Um, what I'm, what I'm yeah. trying to say is I should be silent. My response, um, should be quiet and silence. Um, because, uh, for me, I want to, uh, I want to make sure I've taken time to listen and given you the space to speak. Um, it's just so, it's so wildly important. So if you need to speak out, um, then you need to speak out. Um, however, you know, with all that, all that said, um, speaking out and screaming is not going to resolve, that's right. If like if if um, if you have been offended, you should speak out and scream those hurts that have been inflicted on you. If you have been accused, screaming is not going to lead to resolution. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That yes, <laughs> I think that's a great place to to transition because uh, I literally can't say anything else. <laughs> and now we want to. Uh, 
spend just a moment uh, and let you all know, our listening audience, let you know what we will be uh, talking about on the podcast next week. Uh, we, we decided to start to add this in, so uh, to give you all a little bit of a teaser, but also uh, so that you can um, uh, engage with us on social media uh, in the upcoming week uh, uh, to, so we can get some responses, some ideas, and some questions for you about next week's topic. Yeah, Stephen, I'm really excited about uh, next week's conversation um, on the topic of, of foreboding joy, right? It, this idea that yeah. um, we set aside the the joy that we could be having in this very moment um, for the anxiety or the tension that is coming from something else or, or some somewhere yeah. else. Um, wonderful, wonderful topic. <laughs> Already got all these thoughts spinning around my head. Um, but with that said, uh, we're going to post a question on social media as well. Um, as, as we normally have, but now, um, you kind of know where, where we're headed, um, and can give, uh, maybe a more, um, no, that's dumb. I'm, I'm not going to say a, a, a better response that, that would negates <laughs> yeah, everybody right. who's already responded. How terrible. Um, yeah. Even more responses, <laughs> even more responses to, to the question. So, uh, forgive me for that, but, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you can engage us uh, on on social media at Facebook at This One Good Life, or you can definitely email us info at thisonegoodlife.com. And finally this week, we will dive into some of mine and Brian's recommendations for you all. This is is why introverts think before they speak, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. So as as we dive in, uh, this is a time where we share some of the good stuff uh, we're discovering in our lives or have discovered in our lives that hopefully add beauty and goodness to yours. Uh, Stephen, you briefly mentioned uh, your recommendation earlier, but um, you have a book for us? Yeah, dialogue and the art of thinking together. This was given. Uh, this book was given to me several years ago by a guy who was a who's a mentor and coach, uh, and he he just said, "Man, I think this is going to help." kind of take you into a another level of, of engaging with people uh, of leadership um, but I, I just think this is such a uh, such an incredible book for mm. now for this present moment it was a book that was written uh, more than a decade ago but the but the principles and the techniques and the truths that are found in this book I think are more relevant more pertinent today uh, than they ever have um, and and just teaching us how to dialogue because right now, um, I, I don't think there are many places in our current culture and our society where true dialogue uh, is happening, and I think it's I think it's destroying us. Um, so I'll, I'll, I definitely want to recommend uh, dialogue and the art of thinking together uh, by William Isaacs. Yeah, and I've got two. One is a book, of course, we, we just uh, talked a little bit about, but "Quiet: The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking" um, by Susan Cain. Um, it was one on my reading list for a while, uh, and I thought, yeah, I, I am an introvert. I, this is probably going to be, uh, you know, I probably know everything <laughs> that's in here. Um, but what it read like was a, a, a biography for me. Um, wow. Gave me a really deep understanding of, of who I am, how I respond to the world, um, and uh, maybe some language around, um, you know, like one of the topics we talked about earlier, sitting quiet in a meeting and, and waiting. Yeah. Um, waiting to respond. So that's one. Also want to recommend uh, uh, stand-up comedy special that's on Netflix now. came out this summer. Um, the comic is Hannah Gadsby. Um, the title of special mm-hmm. is Nanette. Um, mm-hmm. Some folks may have heard of this as she she had a comedy, a stand-up comedy special to announce her retirement from comedy. Um, 
And wow. Yeah, yeah. It, it's this really powerful mix of um, of humor and also um, telling of her own story. Um, part of part of what she realized is that the noise of doing comedy was keeping her from the truth of her own story. Um, and so mm. as she digs into that. It really is this uh, kind of contrast of of noise um, around us and allowing that noise to be the distraction from really from, from who we are. So she, she shares her story. Um, and there are absolutely some humorous, uh, moments from that, but there are also some really like heartache, um, in the middle of it. Mm. It's beautiful. It's well, well written, well, um, well done. Um, and the opportunity for her to speak her own truth in the midst of, uh, of, of the world and, how she's been silenced, <laughs> silenced in the past. Yeah. This is one of those times, one of those people who, who needed to speak out and scream. Mm. Um, so mm. extremely powerful. Uh, certainly would recommend it. Um, be prepared to laugh and be prepared to cry all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so you sent me that recommendation this week, just in a text is like, Hey dude, you need to check out this special. And your exact words were, and if you watch that special, you will be broken, condemned, forgiven, filled with compassion and heartache all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, just be prepared. So, so I haven't watched it yet because I'm not sure I'm ready for that yet. If you got to take it in like uh, you know ten minute chunks, I think that's okay. Um, yeah, and I some some folks may have teenagers. I think I think it would be okay for teenagers to watch. You want to screen mm-hmm. it first. There's some jokes in there that maybe you're not prepared for your your. Uh, teenagers to watch i I would say they've probably heard them all before yeah um but i think it would be healthy uh for some young young folks to to be involved in as well that's Um, awesome yeah it's really good um but it is powerful it's a it's one of those moments where um you're gonna you turn it on you sink into your seat and Mm -hmm. you like full into the middle of it and then she speaks some truth that you're like oh my gosh Mm. um begin to feel her heartache but also begin to feel your own complicitness Mm. in her struggle so yeah it's good it's good awesome um well that just about does it uh for this week's show Uh, we're so grateful that you have chosen to join us for this podcast yeah and as we close this week remember the words of william yates The world is full of magical things, patiently waiting for our senses to grow sharper. See you next week.